Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the very often made-for-TV movies that first inspired our love for film. In an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 2006's She's the Man finally getting some Amanda Bynes action. Yes, our first ever Amanda Bynes on the pod. Kind of unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like 20 (laughs) movies in, like more than that. Yeah. Viola was facing a fate worse than death. Ta-da! Sorry, Mom. I have a strict no ruffles policy. Until her twin brother, Sebastian. Where are you going? London for a couple of weeks. What are you going to do about school? I was kind of hoping you could help me with that. Showed her a way out. Could you just, like, pretend to be me? You want me to turn you into your brother? Nobody in Elyria has even met Sebastian. They wouldn't know the difference. So before we start into the facts, as we always do, Audrey, do you identify as a Amanda Bynes fan? Yeah. Really? Um, yeah. Do you not? Well, it's not that I'm not a fan, but I just feel like I never, I was never like incredibly invested in Amanda Bynes as a kid. I don't really know why. I feel like I had a resurgence recently um, because I got CBS All Access. (laughs) Okay. um, They have the Amanda show on there. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, and and like all that and the Amanda show are both so deep in my memory that I can only remember them in the way that you remember like what your baby stroller looked like. <laughs> you really, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You don't actually remember it, but you, you have this like feeling about it. So I watched a few of those and it brought back so much, but it also just sent me down the rabbit hole of, like, Dan Schneider scary content. Yeah, yeah. And that's extremely valid. And also, Amanda Bynes now is a whole other topic. But regardless of that, I Mm -hmm. definitely am a fan. And I like, I get a a very, like, authentic quality from her. And I feel like she really did love acting. I was surprised when I was going through her IMDb for this that the last movie credit she has is Easy A, which was in 2010. Kind of unreal. But let's not get too deep into the gloom right off the top (laughs) here. Um, Okay, so let's start with the facts surrounding 2006's She's the Man. This movie premiered on March 17th, 2006 and was directed by Andy Fickman. Andy Fickman's most notable credits um, as... As assessed by our incredibly strenuous uh, rubric of things <laughs> that eight-year-olds from the mid-2000s would remember. are you just uh, said strenuous rubric? It's a strenuous rubric by which we collect <laughs> these credits. I was being sarcastic. It's not a strenuous rubric. I know. It's just strenuous and rubric are great. That's just great. <laughs> Andy Fickman directed... Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, huge. 
major. <laughs> Return uh, directed to the mall. <laughs> a, yes. Uh, directed a lot of Liv and Maddie, which, is that the Disney Channel show with Dove Cameron on it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he directed a bunch of Kevin Can Wait once again with the Kevin James content. And then he also directed, um, like, a Kevin James documentary. He's directed a lot. He's directed a lot of things. I'm kind of minimizing here. Again, the rubric is strenuous. Uh, but he's like the Kevin James Wrangler of choice. Remember how there was like the Hillary Duff Wrangler of choice? Yeah, it was uh, yeah. that guy um, who he's been interviewed on a lot of podcasts recently. Yeah, uh, I would have to check the files. Yeah. I don't have his name memorized, unfortunately. <laughs> so sorry. sorry. Sorry to that man. <laughs> There are three people listed as writers of the screenplay of She's the Man. The first one is, um, fuck, their name is spelled like Evan, but it's E-W-A-N. Ewan. Ewan. Whatever. It's like Ewan. <laughs> so they uh, had story credit for this movie. They're also a producer, and they have a pretty limited IMDb history, but they casted the animals for Hotel for Dogs. <laughs> so that's pretty significant. Then our other writers are uh, Karen McCullough and Kirsten Smith. And these two women, I have discovered, are a powerhouse, quote-unquote, chick flick writing duo. I'm going to read this little blurb that was about them that I found online. Because these are the women behind such classics as The House Bunny, Ella Enchanted, Legally Blonde, and 10 Things I Hate About You. They collaborated on all these screenplays and, like, with, with most of those movies, it wasn't a situation where there was, like, nine different writers. It was, like, they really put this stuff together. So, anyway, the blurb that I found about them was this. It's written in kind of a condescending way, but, like, we shouldn't be surprised based off the movies that they wrote. So, this is it. Kirsten Kiwi-Smith and Karen McCullough are the powerhouse duo behind some of the biggest chick flicks of the last 15 years. Several of their films, however, have transcended the diminutive term and established themselves as gender stereotypes surpassing cultural phenomenons. True, you'd be hard-pressed to find a man who will admit that Legally Blonde is his favorite film, but you'd have an even harder time finding a guy who didn't secretly love every second of it. Smith and McCullough are the creative powers behind such hits as 10 Things I Hate about you and the ugly truth okay that's definitely written by a man <laughs> probably also i don't know if i agree with what they said when they said you'd have an even harder time finding a guy who didn't secretly love every second of it they should probably yeah like these claims are just off base i think <laughs> they're a bit off base they're a bit off base but you know whatever we have the context for the ladies now and if we're just talking about cis men, there's definitely a lot of cis men that love Legally Blonde. <laughs> anyway, now that we've got those facts out of the way, Audrey, would you like to uh, read us the plot synopsis of 2006's She's the Man? Yes, of course. The plot synopsis is as follows. <laughs> When her brother decides to ditch for a couple weeks, Viola heads over to his elite boarding school disguised as him and proceeds to fall for his school star soccer player and soon learns she's not the only one with romantic troubles. Um, this movie is based off of William Shakespeare's Twelfth, Twelfth Night. Night. Okay, yeah. yeah, Twelfth Night. 
which, trust me, when we get to the critic reviews, you will not be able to forget the fact that this movie <laughs> is loosely based upon Shakespearean IP. Taglines, you have a tall order here, Audrey, and I implore you to take us there. Yeah, this is very exciting. I love it when we come to this point and I see multiple bullet points for (laughs) the taglines. So the first one is, everybody has a secret. Duke wants Olivia, who likes Sebastian, who is really Viola, whose brother is dating Monique, so she hates Olivia, who's with Duke to make Sebastian jealous, who is really Viola, who's crushing on Duke, who thinks she's a guy. (laughs) And I, that's, like, one of the posters for the movie had all that text written on it, like, in, like, faux spray paint. Oh, okay. So that's why that tagline is what it is. It's more like copy that was on the poster. Yeah. And then the other two are more traditional. Yeah, extremely traditional. The second one is it's time to settle the score (laughs) because it's a soccer movie kind of. (laughs) And the third one is if you want to chase your dream, sometimes you got to break the rules. (laughs) Like, couldn't that be any movie that we ever... yeah. Do yeah that that one's really 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 weak. They're both weak actually. Yeah, I agree. Zero out of ten like, originality. It, <laughs> it seems like with something called "She's the Man," they could have been like, "She's the man with the plan," or like, "Yeah, she's got a plan to, to be, be a man." man. <laughs> <laughs> I already know that this movie is going to be extremely problematic. So oh, it's yeah. like the shit that we're saying is like bad but not as bad as the movie's gonna be yeah no Uh, like I'm fully ready to go into this and just be like appalled kind of yeah unless they are able to to like toe the line in a way that is yeah really inoffensive and just can't like silly like as long as they're not making any bold claims I think it's gonna be fine I mean, there's going to be bold claims. Yeah. (laughs) I watched the trailer. I watched like the first five seconds of the trailer and like the tone of it. I already was like, oh my God, I can't wait to like rip this apart because it's going to be so brutal. But uh, anyway, so those are the taglines. And now we are entering the cast zone. You know, the selling point of this movie is Amanda Bynes. And if you're listening to the show, you know who Amanda Bynes is. She plays Viola in this movie, which is the lead character. Um, she was known for The Amanda Show, all that, What a Girl Wants, What I Like About You, uh, Hairspray, duh, Sydney White, Easy A, but really like became famous, famous based off of her career on Nickelodeon as a child star. Audrey, I feel like you know more about her than I do. So if you want to weigh in. I mean. In any form. Like, I don't actually, like, I'm not an expert. But I did see that they recently added what I like about you um, to some online streaming platform. I don't remember which one. But I've been seeing a lot of, like, noise about that. And people being like, people being like, this show is so good and, like, nobody's seen it. So I think I'll probably watch it. Anyways, I also think that based off of these movies that I'm looking at, especially with She's the Man and Sydney White, she definitely would get cast as the not like other girls girl a lot, which I'm sure we will talk about either in this movie or definitely when we eventually do Sydney White. Yeah. But you know what's interesting too is like 
I watched like 30 seconds of the trailer for this too. And I was like, oh yeah, like this is that movie. This is literally the not like other girls movie. And so is Sydney White. Um, yeah. But in Easy A, she's cast as just mean girl. She's literally yeah. just cast as mean girl. And I thought that was really jarring. Like I remember when I saw her in mm-hmm. that role, I was like, oh, but like she's usually the Emma Stone. So this is yeah, really right. weird. Yeah, and she was, like, older at that point, so kind of weird that she was playing that role, but we can save that analysis for when we do it, because I really want to do it. As the love interest, I am assuming, in this movie, we have Channing Tatum as Duke. Channing Tatum is known from 21 Jump Street, Magic Mike, and then my next two bullet (laughs) points are IDK and boy movies I don't fuck with. That is my (laughs) takeaway. He's in a lot of, uh, like, war things. And, you know, I do do a lot of generalizing when I'm ripping through IMDb. So if I'm wrong, please let me know. I was going to say, yeah, like, don't take our reductive notes personally. (laughs) I just got to say, there is a new level of accountability for me (laughs) nowadays. Now that people, now that more people are starting to listen, like, if anyone is listening... I feel the need to rectify what I said about Brandy now in in Cinderella. I said that her voice isn't good. I was wrong. She doesn't have a bad voice. I think that stylistically it stuck out a lot compared to everyone else. She's very talented. I love her and respect her. Sorry I said anything else. Also, when I was listening back to the Click episode, I said a lot of really mean things in the Click episode, too. And I feel like the girls that were in the Click would be, like, the most likely candidates to actually hear the shit that I said. So, please forgive me. I'm just, uh, you know, you're talking into the void until you're not talking into the void, you know? Yeah. So, you had Channing Tatum. And then we have Laura Ramsey as Olivia. She's in nothing else that I recognized. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry to Laura. Uh, and then we have Vinnie Jones as Dinklage. I don't know who Dinklage is, but he was actually a former pro soccer player. He's from the UK. And everything that he's in sounds like the name of a first person shooter video game. <laughs> so it's all like Vengeance of the Crypt 4 and shit like that. So thanks, Vinny. And then we have David Cross as Gold. Uh, I don't know who Gold is either. I haven't seen this movie in a long time. But he's a writer and a producer. He is Amber Tamblin's husband, a.k.a. Tibby from Sister of the Traveling Pants. He was a series regular on Arrested Development. And he was also on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, a show that I am scared to revisit in our current <laughs> day and age. Uh, and he's been in a Wait, lot why? of stuff. Because, you know, how, like, Tina Fey humor only lasts, like, six months without curdling? Yeah, it has a really short shelf life, I think. Yeah. Like, I'm just... Yeah. But, like, certain aspects of it. Not, like, the thing as a whole, but... Yeah, but isn't, like, a lot of Kimmy Schmidt built on, like, anti-Asian racism? Oh, man. There is a lot in the first season. Because you know how her boyfriend is Chinese? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, like, real messy. And I actually just saw, I've been seeing TikToks lately about um, literally that exact issue. Tina Fey and anti-Asian writing, basically. Same in Mean Girls. I've been thinking, but this did remind me that that show even existed. And I was like, damn, that's probably not a good one to look back on. But anyway, (laughs) he was on that, but... I'm really only just bringing that up because I know that everyone listening has seen that show most likely. And he's been in like an unbelievable amount of stuff. He's been booked and blessed 
for like our entire lifespans, basically. And I don't mean to minimize. I just do not know this man. So that's (laughs) what I have. And then finally, we have Alexandra Breckenridge as Monique. And she has been in This Is Us, like as a real character, This Is Us, The Walking Dead, American Horror Story, and True Blood. So she's been booked and blessed as well. That's a really good lineup. But in this movie, she's credited as Alex Breckenridge, not Alexandra Breckenridge. When she got older, she changed it to Alexandra. So there's that. Audrey, take us through this uh, critic situation here. Yes. Okay. So um, a whopping 43% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Actually, not too bad. Pretty high um, for our normal for, Yeah. It's actually not not too shabby, and then yeah. a 79% audience score. So that's really good, I think. Yes. Or roughly on par, but, like, pretty good. That's encouraging. I think it probably has a lot to do with Amanda's performance. And, yeah, like, probably. the vibe that she gives off. So the critic consensus is this. Shakespeare's wit gets lost in translation with she's the man's broad slapstick, predictable jokes, and unconvincing plot line. <laughs> did they really think did they really think that um they were channeling Shakespeare's wit with this one? Like I mean, I think that that's really what people were expecting, and I would love to read this first review to help accentuate that point. This one reviewer wrote, The high school hijinks may entertain the young, but those more familiar with the bard will recognize this as a wasted opportunity. Ew. (laughs) Like... The Bard, as if as if this reviewer is like buddies with Shakespeare. Like, hello, <laughs> it's just painful. And then this second review. Do you want to read this one? Yeah. So here's the second review. She's the this man. one is a positive one. Okay, good. Yeah. She's the man arrives with much ado about something. A seasoned concept and qualified birthright that supports its traditionalism and rests upon its potential. Okay, you know what? Now that I picked that, this sounds like those TikToks where it's like me sitting in a college lecture and the sound is like, there's a certain duality to the viewpoint in the nuance that we yeah. have to look at. It's so like I don't really piggybacking know what that off of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't really know what this review means, but if we it, just if we just look at it through a lens, <laughs> there's so much to unpack about the lens through which we analyze the context that this film exists within. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so um, they tried. <laughs> there was a tomato next to the review, so I was like, okay, this is positive, allegedly. Yeah. So I mean that's a yeah that that's a really they're really giving it some credit there. So now our new section, hot gossip from the week. Book. <laughs> hot gossip from the month that this movie came out from Entertainment Weekly. I got three bullet points here. All right, do you want me to go first? Mm-hmm. I have to utter his name. Yeah, forty-five. Our former president, not our current president. And his wife, Melania, welcomed son, Baron, on March 20th in NYC. So this movie is uh, three days older than Baron Trump. (laughs) Oh, wow. 
Audrey will do the third piece of gossip um, because I have some context on the second one. So second piece of gossip. Weezer singer Rivers Cuomo, 35, will marry girlfriend Kyoko Ito in L.A. after he earns his undergraduate English degree from Harvard this June. To his fiance's relief, Cuomo, a stalwart celibate for two years, isn't anymore. We're making faces. I don't even know what to make of that. I don't really know what that means, but I do know that Weezer has a history of, like, being really problematic in its framing of Asian women. Mm-hmm. Like, like, there's a lot of their music that's creepy towards, like, Asian women, and, like, there's a lot of, like, fetishization in their music, and it's kind of like an archetype of, like, alt-white guy who is specifically into, like, kind of artsy Asian girls, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so this is just very Rivers Cuomo of him to be doing, for all this to be packed into one thing. Well, let's not even mention the undergraduate degree in English from Harvard <laughs> at age 35. That's just a lot. Undergrad. Anyway. <laughs> just a casual undergrad degree. Yeah, like at age from 35. Harvard. <laughs> like just for the flex. Like why? Oh gosh. Okay. And the last right. point. So the last point. I love this already. Napoleon Dynamite's Lord of the Dance, John Heater, 28, recently broke his ankle while training for the ice skating comedy Blades of Glory, co-starring Will Ferrell. Um, Heater, champ that he is, still managed to start shooting this week. Take that, Michelle Kwan. Uh, people still cared about John Heater. That's how you know that it was 2006. Yeah, I really, really... We care about him personally. I care about him to this day. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know where he is, but I care. Yeah, we could probably find out. Yeah. (laughs) We won't. Ha ha. (laughs) We could look it up, but we are too lazy. (laughs) (laughs) We could look it up, but our setup is too complicated to reach across in Google, so we won't. Yeah. All right, so what do you remember about this movie from the last time you watched it? When's the last time you watched it? Both of those things. I have the vaguest possible memory of watching this movie at my middle school best friend's house at a sleepover. And I'm pretty sure that did happen. It was either this movie or Sydney White, but yeah. And that's the last time you watched it? Yeah. Okay, so... I think it's been just about as long since I've seen it. I mean, I, when I, again, I keep bringing up how I watched the trailer and then stopped because like every single thing that I saw felt extremely new. So I was like, maybe I shouldn't watch this. I should just let myself experience it. But the things I do remember from the movie last time I watched it are the following. Well, really, it's just one thing, which is that Amanda Pines is not (laughs) a cute boy. Well, no. I mean, like, like the transformation is not particularly convincing. I guess. <laughs> no. it's it's kind of another Cinderella story thing. Yes, exactly. We're like we're just suspending the disbelief. But again, this movie is based off of Shakespeare, aka the Bard, and uh, it's not supposed to be like one hundred percent legit. Yeah. And that's also, it's kind of interesting because you know how in Shakespeare, like they would have men play women's roles. Yes. You know, we've got a little reversal. 
<laughs> yes, it's very it's very cheeky of them. This whole yeah. thing is very cheeky and dumber. very cheeky. They face probably be summed up to that, like in regards to the Shakespeare <laughs> reference. It's just cheeky. It's just cheeky. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of all we have to say. Yeah. This was definitely in the stretch of time that was, like, pre-Amanda Bynes flying off the rails in any sense. So, good Amanda Bynes ears. Probably one of the most, like, defining performances that she's given in a movie, I would say. Or most memorable. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're just gonna enjoy the movie with that in mind. Yes. And we'll come back... With plenty of things to say, I am certain. I am certain of it. (laughs) All right. uh, What's this movie on, Audrey? You said that you knew. Sadly, it's on everything but for $3. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but at least it's only $3. Yeah. um, So fire up literally anything and then pay $3. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, get your $3 ready, and we will meet back here shortly. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. We're back. It is considerably darker. (laughs) If you're watching the video version, you can see that our lighting is different. And that's because this movie is long as shit. It's so long. (sighs) But we made it. And it feels long. It's long and it feels long. Absolutely. In fact, it felt so long. That I bit my nails, which is something that I am uh, a recovering addict of. So that's how you know (laughs) that it was... She relapsed. I relapsed. I literally relapsed during this. So I'm a little bit salty that that happened. But you know what? We're pushing through anyway. And Audrey is playing the role of the gender scholar for this movie. (laughs) So we... I'm going to try. So we have predetermined. So... I guess we should probably just start with parts that we appreciated. Yeah. Do you want to just run through yours? Yeah, I'll just run through mine. Um, So I think first and foremost, this movie was actually really, really funny in parts. Like, I laughed out loud and I was watching it alone at several points, including but not limited to when Viola, Viola, Viola? 
I don't know. I, I just, when I see the name, I think Viola Davis yeah. and I just say okay. Viola. I, I already forget how to say her name. We literally just watched the movie. Uh, when Viola's cell phone goes off and it's, I'm a Barbie girl, like for no reason. Like that was really funny. <laughs> and when they're at the carnival and like her sideburn gets stuck on the little kid's face and then she tells the kid to stay in school. That was funny. And also <laughs> when, when the... um. When one of Channing Tatum's friends is talking about this girl and he says, he, they're remarking on the fact that this girl just nodded at Viola and he's like, yeah, she gives good nod. Yeah, Regarding. Like it's just stupid, but it was funny. <laughs> so baseline, I, I thought it was funny. I thought there were some funny lines. There were a lot of really specific observations I had that I found to be amusing, but I think pretty much, like, the biggest one is just that the way that Viola acts like a boy is so Mm -hmm. weird. Like, she just acts like (laughs) a total weirdo, and it reminds me a lot of how, like... When Audrey, like when you and I and like the cousins. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I had the same thought, actually. Yeah, like, so we used to have this YouTube channel with our cousins. And we have an episode coming out with our cousins actually really soon on Barbie Princess and the Popper. You're getting the sneak peek if you're listening. And um, we used to make YouTube videos that were mostly like music videos to like top 40 songs from like 2009. And one of us would always be in like boy drag <laughs> and just like having a Southern accent for no reason or just like being kind <laughs> yeah. of swaggy, but like in a very like misdirected way is <laughs> like exactly how Amanda Bynes acts in this movie. And I just thought that that was really funny. Yeah, like it was, that's exactly how I would have played it. Right. (laughs) Right. So misdirected swagginess is always good. The soundtrack in this movie is amazing too. Yeah, I literally, while I was watching it, I added it to our playlist because I was like, oh, wow. Like, so it's already there now. what you really should do. And yeah, that's kind of what I had for parts I appreciated. I have a lot more questions than I do appreciations. So what did you appreciate about it? Um, so the coach, the like coach in the very beginning who's like, everybody knows boys are stronger than girls. <laughs> um, he plays Zach and Cody's dad. He looked really familiar to me and I couldn't place why. Yeah, and I was just like, yep. I was like, mm-hmm. I know who he is. I clocked him and... <laughs> I appreciated him. (laughs) Wasn't Zach and Cody's dad, Um, like, not in that show? He's in a few episodes. Wow. Do they have, like, an absentee dad on that show? a rock star. He's a rock star? Yeah. (laughs) My brain did not file that information away, but that's good to know. I liked Paul as a character, and Paul deserves his flowers, okay? (laughs) That's Channing Tatum, right? No! No, Paul is the hairdresser. Oh, shit. Guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I, I yeah. had him written down, too. And I I have questions about him that we will get yeah, to. Yeah, me, too. I was like, okay, like, him. is he gay? Is he not? Well, that was know. the whole thing. Like, he clearly, well, I wrote down blonde tips equals gay. Uh yeah, it's like super coded, yeah. but like, like he didn't he didn't act gay, but like he was. Yeah. You could tell by all of the stereotypes they were like enmeshing him in. Yeah, it's it's hard when you're watching a movie that 
is a conglomeration of stereotypes. And then when they like don't go all the way with the character and stereotypes, it's like, what's going on here? Yes, like, definitely. I also appreciated Amanda's bizarre accent. <laughs> I... I, I I really just appreciated the level to which they are asking you to suspend your disbelief. Yes. <laughs> um, it's out of control. Yeah, it felt like a play in that sense. Um, and I, I, I was kind of annoyed by that, but then you just decide to appreciate yes. it, and now I appreciate yes. it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, those are my appreciates. Okay. So then moving into parts that are worse now. <laughs> or parts that are bad. Okay, I have a list. I think just first and foremost, this movie is so long. I know we already said it, but it's like ruthlessly long. It's like 110 minutes or something. Like you just, the first half of the movie is like awesome. And then the second half mm-hmm. just gets like so sloggy. It's like painful. Too many montages. Yeah. And they decided that they also were going to have like four different endings, uh-huh. like similar to Sleepover, where they just had to wrap up every single storyline in its own way. Yes. And it was like, and they also, it was not, as you said, necessary. Audrey, they bait, they pulled the bait and switch, and we're watching a sports movie in the end. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was one of my worst things. I put sports movie frowny face. <laughs> That's how I felt too. I was like, sports movies start and end for me with switching goals, and that is the absolute most <laughs> that I will give, unless it's an ice skating yeah, movie, just... and that is its own class. Um. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So it was really long. There's a lot of montages, and that was annoying. Um. It was sort of like oh, like grown of course she's gonna like of course Amanda Bynes is gonna play on the boys team and it's gonna be against her ex-boyfriend and then she's gonna win like you know that like 20 minutes in yeah so that's kind of annoying I kind of want to know why Channing Tatum talks the way that he does (laughs) I know I thought the same thing I was like there were certain moments where I was really detecting a black yeah same like I don't I don't know what's going on here like but I, I I wasn't that surprised to hear it, though. So that must be a thing that he does. But I don't know anything about that him, like, as a person. Yeah. Me either. I, I don't know. Um, I also... We're not the ones. <laughs> we're not the ones. We're not scholars <laughs> on Channing Tatum. No. Um, I also have questions about his necklace with the ring on it. Why don't we ever find <laughs> out what that is? Is he Christian? Do you think it's, like, a... A purity ring? Yeah, is it like a promise ring? Is it a purity ring? Like, what is it? Why don't we ever Well, it can't be a promise ring. It can't be a promise ring because that's when you're in a relationship. Oh. So. How do you know so much about this? The Jonas Brothers. (laughs) That's a good, that's a good point. Uh, But, you know, it's just like athletic straight boys. Well, straight boys. We'll get to that. Wearing (laughs) jewelry with a ring on it. And it's like a long thing I just was I just was confused by that I didn't even notice that I didn't notice I noticed it. it in one of the scenes where they were like in their dorm talking oh which reminds me of the very first time you see Channing Tatum in the movie when he's standing in his dorm room and it's like aggressive chiseled pelvic V I'm like <laughs> yeah. is this just what you do when you're one of the guys like do you just hang out like full like Abercrombie model like I'm just confused I mean that's been that has been portrayed in the media and I don't know why <laughs> like, 
wants you to stand why. around <laughs> with the pelvic V to stand just there. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> no, like, um, like when guys just hang out, like they like don't wear clothes. I don't think that that's true. <laughs> I really found myself questioning when I was watching. I'm like crying. I really found myself questioning what is it that boys do? <laughs> yeah, you know that they just did a lot of like I was sitting like, around in this movie. Yeah, I was like, do they talk like this? Like, do that? Like, I don't know. Like, for all I know, like this could be maybe. There maybe there's some truth to this, but I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't um, know what mask straight boys do when they're alone. I, yeah, I have literally. No and clue. I was like, imagine like in Amanda Bynes's character's case, like she just has all these like straight guys in her life, like almost coincidentally, mm-hmm. like they're just like in her. And I'm like, what would that even <laughs> like? I just don't have a point of reference for that. You're like, where's my glittering circle of straight mask I'm male like, friends? I, I just, <laughs> I just don't, I don't have, I don't get that. But yeah, all of my straight male friends are like, sad boy musicians so it doesn't count i like don't have experience <laughs> with the genre of of boy yeah in this movie. and you know they may they might not exist they might not that's the thing i was like i'm so clueless right now like <laughs> i don't know what this is and also don't you kind of get the feeling that like soccer athlete boys would be like less douchey than like football athlete boys or um, like basketball? i think that was the Yeah, I think that was kind of the vibe because for some, and this could be way off base, but I feel like there's some kind of correlation between like high GPA and playing varsity soccer. I'm just thinking of all the people I knew knew that played soccer. They were all smart. Like they were good at, they were good at school. I mean, they weren't necessarily smart, but they were good at school. Yeah, same. That's true. I don't know. But that but you know that would make sense because they kind of characterize Channing Tatum as being awkward for some reason. Mm-hmm. I'm like, in what world would he be like, awkward? And hello? The, the other thing <laughs> that I wrote was that um they really for some reason decided to set this in high school when it really shouldn't have been set in high school. Like if didn't it feel collegiate to you? It was set in high school. Yes. I thought it was college. No, it feels like college, but it's high school. Oh. Yeah. No, I fully thought it was college. Literally, I still thought that now. No, no, I think. I th- when did they say I that? it was high school. I don't know. I They didn't say. Well, it's academy, not university. Oh. Oh, yeah, I guess it is high school, too, because Amanda Bynes' character referred to going to college in the very beginning. Yeah. She was like, I want to go to Carolina or something, like... Well, there you um, go. Another question. Question for the culture. Are kissing booths real? <laughs> another thing that we do not know. I feel like if like weird like antebellum themed balls can exist in the South to this day, then kissing booths then, yeah, can it definitely must. exist. It must. Yeah, I was just like, wait, this is really weird. This is really, really weird. And that little kid is like, hey, you don't have to be nice to her. You paid for it. I was like, I was like, excuse me. 
Yeah, it was, it was, it was like, raunchy. Sir. It was raunchy. You're not allowed. To say the least. Yeah. <laughs> Kissing booths. I really feel... I really feel like this movie in general, something I felt that it suffered from is like it's got that written by two women, directed by one man vibes. And I was just like, this blend is just not right. Like it's so imbalanced. Something about this flavor. It's just not quite. Yeah, like like a sommelier. Like I was just like. like, Wait, so how would you, how would you describe what that flavor is? Like what going into the movie, like in the very beginning, it's like jarringly male gazy. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's like in her bikini top and they're playing soccer on the beach, and then all of a sudden they're like making out, and then she's like super sexualized yeah. and stuff. And it's like what, like that literally did not have to be like that at I all. I had written down why is the beginning so horny? Yeah, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, wait, what is this? Yeah. Like. <laughs> Is this for the youth? <laughs> um, and I and I did kind of feel like a bait and switch. I was like, I feel like this like director was like, we need to because Amanda Bynes is a boy for like the majority of this movie, we have to like make her hot in the very beginning, make them think that they're getting one thing and then like they're not. And it felt like almost more like a marketing move than anything else because like now they have that footage that they can use which is so creepy like it's just like yeah. the creepiest how old was she in this do we know thing. uh she was 18 during that oh that makes sense though oh <laughs> yeah dang yeah i mean and also um, i'm sure you know i'm still listening i'm still wrapping up my lolita podcast listen through so i've heard lots about making underage people do sexy things yeah air quotes in <laughs> on film. So it's a thing that happens like literally constantly. Oh, yeah. All the time. Yeah. But um, yeah, I really felt like I just really felt that awkward mixture of uh, theme, like not like women writers and then male director. Yeah. Like but that's a huge gap between those two things. And like when you're actually making something real, like it still matters who... Like, it very much matters who is um, directing all that. There were, like, so many fight scenes in this movie, and they were all, like, the exact same fight over and over again. It was, like, always over the same thing. It was always not that fun to watch. But I will say that one thing I thought of is in the scene where it's, like, Olivia and Amanda Bynes in the bathroom at, like, the pre-Cotillion coming out Mm -hmm. thing, and she's wearing the white dress. Like, the tight white dress. I wrote down, I can just hear the costume designer being like, there's buckles on her white dress because she's tough. (laughs) And she's different. (laughs) I know. When I noticed the buckles, I was like, that feels almost really out of its time. Like, I was like, I I do that style. It reminded me of, like, 2016. (laughs) I was like, what? Yeah, I get that. It's not really something that's worse, but it's just something, is that... It took me a really long time to register that they're really rich Mm -hmm. because like I didn't really realize that they were super rich until the dad was like talking to the real Sebastian and he was like, you need to tell us before you go overseas. It was like such like a rich dad thing to say. And he also looked like such a rich dad. And then I was like, wait, they do do like cotillions and have a mansion and the brothers going to this fancy private school. So I guess it's just weird to me that they're super wealthy and it's presented without comment. Yeah. Like they never (laughs) mentioned the fact that they're all really rich, but they must be. 
It's like the most normal thing about them. Yeah, right. Exactly. So that was. Yeah, that's true. That's rock. It's not asking. It is not asking you to examine their social (laughs) uh, economic class. No. No, definitely not. Okay, so for the next category here, do you have anything that you want to say for dated and how dated is it and how problematic is it? Um, I think that you should start us off. Okay, well, I had like, (laughs) well, I had one just one-off comment, uh, which is that I was saying to Hannah, like, when we were watching the movie, like, we don't really have the real estate to go over um, what they've done to Eunice in this movie. (laughs) Although she's just portrayed in the most bizarre way, I did at least, at least appreciate that they did not make her over. Yeah, I was surprised. They just gave her a man, but they did not make her over. (laughs) Yeah, I I was expecting her to have, like, a take-off-the-glasses moment, obviously. And that never happened, which was interesting. Yeah, and uh, the the friend of Channing Tatum was just like, I have a crush on you. And she was like, same. (laughs) They were just, like, together. It was very weird. It made no sense. So, okay, here we go. This is my dissertation. Yes. I have several cited sources here. (laughs) So first of all, I just want to say that I, and with most of the movies we cover, I feel like no one source or no one person can say whether or not a piece of media is empowering or if it's not. It's, It's kind of like, if you found it empowering, then it's empowering. Yeah. If you found it insulting and bad, then it's, then that's what it is for you. That's, yeah. That is the first thing I want to say. Empowerment is not a blanket experience. No, not at yeah. all. So, yeah, I think that there's essentially three stances, three reactions that like one that one could have about this movie. But the thing is and the difference with them is that they're kind of like as nuanced as they could have been at the time that they were viewed. Okay. Like how how is a critic in 2006 going to watch this movie and come away with anything other than this movie, like, hates women, basically? Like, when you, when you, let me read. Mm-hmm. So, the man who wrote the New York Times review said that she's the man reminds us that girls can do anything boys can do unless those girls happen to exist in a romantic comedy, in which case their ultimate ambition is to squeeze into an expensive dress and get it on with a dumb stud. (laughs) Along the way, however, there will be girl power to the max. So he wrote that when it came out. Uh And if I were in his shoes... In 2006, I probably would have said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, like, think about where we were at that time. And he's giving it, like, a smidgen of credit. <laughs> like, he's giving it, like, a little, little, little bit. Yeah. But, like, being a writer for a very liberal publication, like, at the time, he couldn't get away with anything else. Like, that's all he could say, probably. Yeah. And he's on the left side of things. You know what I mean? Yes. So... If you didn't want to overthink it at all, then you could probably come away from it being like, I'm not going to, like, dissect this. I'm not going to take it really seriously because the kids aren't. Like, the the target demographic isn't picking it apart. Mm -hmm. So, like, why should I? 
um, which I think is a very boring stance to have. <laughs> no way, really? <laughs> what? I'm making a joke because we never take it at surface value here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Clearly, we don't, no. we don't have that stance. No. So getting to the, the meat of this, there were two articles that I found on Refinery29 that were like opposing. Okay. <laughs> like two articles from Refinery29 about She's the Man that had just di- really different kind of stances on it. So both of the Refinery29 articles are definitely viewing it with like a 2016, 17, 18 view. So this quote is so long, but I'm just going to read it. So this article is called What She's the Man Taught Us About Gender Roles. And here it is. Okay. She's the Man is a feminist movie, but the word feminist is never uttered. It's a pro-gay movie that doesn't shudder at the idea that two men can have a close relationship, but does not address homosexuality outright. The movie seems to speak out against heteronormativity, but a decade ago, this wasn't a word thrown into general conversation. Instead, it refers to this concept through humor. (laughs) Like, no, no. (laughs) Like, no. no, like that's not it. No, you could only get that from it if you really, 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 really wanted it to be there. Yeah. And and when I read this this article, I was like, where does this, like, is the author coming from like a non-intersectional girl boss perspective? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's kind of what it reminded me of. If you wanted to look at it with this kind of lens, mm-hmm. <laughs> then I think they're like, 40% of the way there. It kind of reminds me of like what we were saying earlier with like anything can be empowering if you decide that it is. It It's that yeah. same sort of thing. And then the second Refinery29 article is called The Disturbing Message at the Heart of She's the Man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> S- sadly still applies today. <laughs> so the, the little section that I cut out of that one is, are we really supposed to buy Bynes as a pinnacle of manhood? Obviously not. That is decidedly not the point of this movie. In fact, its charm and continued relevance explicitly lies in our suspension of disbelief. The fact that everyone believes Viola is who she says she is solely because she swaggers around grunting is exactly what the film is trying to criticize. And actually, the title of that article is, like, way harsher than the article ends up being. Yeah, I was about to like, say, it, like, where's the dark yeah, message like at the heart of She's the Man? That doesn't sound like a very dark message. Yeah, because, like, I read the title of it, and I was like, oh, this is probably what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. like, as a, to oppose the first one. And then she ended up really, like, reversing the whole thing, and I was like, what? Yeah, that's a, um, that's a clickbait scenario, for sure. Yeah, um, but what I did like about it is, like, if you want to look at it with this, like, woke, like, woke view, you you could deduce that, like, acting under the, like, laws of society, like, what and how men should act, and literally just because she's acting how men should act stereotypically, they believe her, even though it's, like, completely not believable at <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah, 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 
And like that is saying something. I just don't think it's necessarily on purpose. Like I, I feel like people are projecting all of these like meanings that are maybe incidental or accidental. Mm-hmm. It's like they were not they were not uh, writing with a with a twenty twenty yeah mind. Well, sort of like what struck me, especially at the beginning when. Uh, Amanda Bynes, I'm just going to call her Amanda because I can't handle Viola, Viola, whatever. When she was doing like her makeover montage to get into boy, into her boy look, I was like, like, especially when she was like binding her chest, I was like, this very strongly is and is not trans representation in so many ways. But like, if you were like a trans man, like a baby closeted trans man, like seeing a, like a, a heist like this even attempted to be uh, pulled off would be probably exciting, maybe. I mean, I don't know. But, like, I think it's a good example of, like, this movie is not... Again, if you want to decide that it's, like, queer early (laughs) 2000s canon, no one's gonna stop you. This movie could be so much gayer, but it's not, and that's a shame. And... I just kept wondering the whole time as I was watching, when will we just get gay teen movies that are gay without being the gay teen movie? Like, without being, like, Love, Simon or something like that. Or, like, even Euphoria, you know? Just, like, letting it be more of the... Of the pie. I agree. And and so, of course, like, people are going to look back at the movies that they watched in their youth and, like, try to... That's basically what we're doing. And basically, like, try to look for like subliminal messaging almost <laughs> like, yeah like were they is it actually gay is it not like what's going on but in the case of this one it just comes extremely close to being something almost kind of revolutionary yeah. in a way yeah. but it doesn't mean to mm-hmm. it really doesn't mean to and so it's like you can see that and if you did see that when you first saw it, then that's totally And valid. that's all that matters. Because that's all that you had. Like, this, this is all we had. Uh, it is a shame that that is <laughs> the extent yeah. to which it goes. Yes. And I do also think that um, maybe a good, like, framework for thinking about this movie is that it is kind of an homage <laughs> to Shakespeare, not only through obviously it being inspired by Twelfth Night, but also just like the fact that it's like playing with gender just for the fun of it and not to be really psychoanalyzed too deeply or looked into too hard because there just really isn't anything there. And also the other thing is that even if these characters were gay, even if like Olivia, for example, who likes uh, Amanda and drag, even if she did end up being kind of gay, you wouldn't really care because all of the characters... You don't really give a shit about any of them, except all, except for the except for the guy, except for the not gay gay guy. We care about him, Paul. Paul. <laughs> but that's it. Paul deserves his flowers. Okay, <laughs> Paul deserves his flowers. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guys, I realize this might have been kind of a rough road to to get here um, <laughs> through the discussion. Yes. But I hope you kind of get what we're talking about. Yeah. I also don't think, (laughs) I think another reason why someone would watch this and be like, but it's gay is that there are a lot of um, like gay jokes kind of written into it. Like there's a lot of coming out of the closet jokes. Also the fact that they call Amanda Bynes 
a transfer student the whole time. I'm like, transfer student, trans, you know? I mean, that's yeah, that, again, is a like, reach and a coincidence. But um, Unintentional. Also, <laughs> at the end, we didn't even talk about the end where, like, they make Amanda Bynes and her brother prove that they are their genders by, like, flashing yeah. their genitals in front of the entire... Foot, like yeah. like soccer stadium full of people. Like <laughs> there's just so much to unpack. It's like it could be a queer fever dream if you decided that it is, but it it isn't. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah. And uh, we know, obviously, no, I don't think any of you need to be told this, but we know that you know your genitals does not always yeah translate to your own identity. So of course, you know. In today's standards, them flashing their genitals wouldn't mean anything in regards to that. Yeah. Um, well, it's also and, a situation um, where they're like, you're a girl. And then he's like, no, I'm not. I'm a guy. And then another guy's like, well, then prove it. And you know what's going to happen. Like, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. very and that. he's so proud. I know. I, I know. Like, and then he pulls out his pants and he's just like <laughs> vibing with his dick out in front of the entire <laughs> soccer like, stadium. Why is he like, I mean, that's as an actor, that's the only way you can play it in that kind of tone. Yeah. Because, yeah, how is he? He's like, I'm uncomfortable. No. Right. <laughs> like, like, that would be fucked up. That's a whole other like, conversation. Then, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he could only play it one way. I'm sure they felt crazy doing it. Definitely. So, anyway, she's the man. People would like for it to be more complicated than it is, but it's pretty straightforward. But Amanda Bynes is really good yeah. in it. She's very funny. She's really, um, she's doing the most with what she's been given, I would say. And at the end of the day, do we think it's a good movie? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't really think so. I said it is worthwhile solely for Amanda being strange in her own individual way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think part of what makes me not like it that much is that... Okay, like, boy movies and girl movies aren't a thing as much as being a boy or a girl isn't a thing, but there definitely is a boy movie and a girl movie when it comes to, like, you know, how stuff is marketed. And I just feel like this movie, for being, like, a girl movie, doesn't really give girls much to relate to or enjoy or, like, see themselves in. Like, it's just a really... It, it is extremely male gazy the entire time. It kind of evolves a little bit as you go, but like, like the value of the female characters is always based on how hot they are, like literally no matter yeah. what the entire time. And it's just kind of like, who is this movie for? I think that is actually the question is who is this movie for? Because mm-hmm. it's not that obvious. I agree. No, and I don't. It's like, if it's not for me, then I don't know who. If it's not for me, (laughs) then. But it was pretty funny. So I guess, like, if you were going to watch some stuff from this canon, I really wouldn't make this my first recommendation. But I think maybe if you were watching it with a, if you had to watch a movie from this canon with a straight boy, (laughs) this would be a good choice. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) It depends on the boy. (laughs) Yeah. We don't know much about that. (laughs) Wrong. You've come to the wrong place. You're coming to the wrong podcast if you want recommendations of movies to watch with straight boys. It's sad. Yeah. But, you know, I would love to know what you guys think about She's the Man. Please. If we have any, like, Amanda Bynes mini scholars out there, please um, send us maybe some... Present. Your thoughts, your feedback. There's a lot to think about 
with She's the Man. Such is life. And we have thought about it. <laughs> so. Yeah, we tried. Anyways. So. So <laughs> we will be back in a week with another episode. I guess that's it. <laughs> Uh, keep sending your suggestions if you have any. We've had a running list for basically a year now. Yes. And it keeps growing. So let us know your suggestions and we will talk to you next week. Yes. Bye. Bye. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with all our latest creative projects at twopingpictures.com. If you want to watch our show as well as listen, we're on YouTube too. Yay. Search sleepover cinema or go to the link tree in our Instagram bio. We're on Instagram and Twitter at twopingpictures and would love to hear from you there. We're also on TikTok at sleepover cinema and that's really where the party is at. It's true. And if you like Sleepover Cinema, please share an episode with a few friends. Also, since we're asking for things, please leave us a review on the Apple Podcasts app. Um, For some reason, they're super powerful, and we would always appreciate a nice review. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman, and theme music is by Josh Perlman Hall. Special thanks to executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. We'll chat again soon. We'll chat again soon. <laughs> Representation. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.